My name is Linda Jean Stokely. And I'm Montana Hobbs. And you're listening to the Cloud Watcher Uno podcast. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. It's lovely to see you both. <laughs> lovely to see you. Wow. Uh, the local honeys are on the Cloud Watcher Uno podcast. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you so so much for coming coming on the show. Absolutely, Bridge. Where else will we be? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to I have to start off by declaring, I am a big fan. <laughs> well, there there's no uh, there's no more of those. Yeah, I know. So. So they're all they're all sold out. So you got one. Those are yeah, the. I did. I, I mean, it it not that it was um, an issue for Melvin, but um, anything that you ship from the states to the UK just is costs an extortionate amount. Oh, I know. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's not right. I'm a, I'm on discogs constantly. Yeah. So I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> I order a lot from the UK and a lot from Germany and Denmark. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you based at in the UK? I am in London. Nice. Nice. And you were last here in, I think it was January 2019 and then in November 2019. And in uh, twenty twenty, we were in there uh, like January, February of twenty twenty as well. Wow! We just, so we played at Shepherd's Bush Empire. Woohoo! So just before the whole world just went, uh, no, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to, you know, boom, yeah. not do anything at all. Yeah, so, some people we were on, some people we were on the road with were getting like really sick. And um, now we know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was still, still talking to um, Dylan Earl, uh, and he was saying that he'd him and, and his band had gone to uh, Scandinavia on on a on a tour there, and um, they were complaining about the fact that the food didn't taste of anything. But it wasn't the food. It was one of their band band members had got COVID, <laughs> traveled all the way to Scandinavia, gave it to the rest of the band. Uh -huh. And then they were like, ah, I think we already got COVID then. <laughs> yeah. That sounds that sounds like it. Yeah. It's like nothing to do with the fact that, you know, the food in Europe doesn't match, you know, the the high level of cuisine for the rest of the world but yeah oh yeah we we eat good every time we go over there <laughs> <laughs> we refuse to eat poorly <laughs> this is always good as touring musicians i think you should always look after your health definitely yeah and your your soul you also have to feed your soul a little bit too sanity <laughs> there, yeah there's there's so much of like you know, traveling and not getting to eat what you want and traveling, yeah. like as in playing music, traveling. Um, 
you don't get to eat when you want. You don't necessarily get to eat what you want. Sometimes you're waiting on the venue to provide food. Maybe that's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it. and then on your days off, we're like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Let's and do then this. We, we go, we go hog wild. We're, well, we're irresponsible with our money. That's what we do on the days off. And that, that's exactly what you mean. We, we do, you do have to have that on because, Obviously, um, being a fan of music, I don't get to see you, the, the toll that touring has on an artist. But now, listening to art artists speak about what, what life is like on the road, uh, obviously, it's fantastic to see your fans and to play your music to a live audience. But how much time do you need when, when you get back home to just to just to decompress from 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 that touring life i need a week's worth of sleep and then <laughs> and then i start with the recovery process that's fantastic yeah linda has to sleep for about a week and and then she can start getting back to emails and texts and stuff like that um i feel like I, f I feel like whenever I come home, I'm energized. Um, and, and when I come home, I'm like, oh, there's so many things I want to do here at home. So many people I want to see, you know, my family and my, yeah. and, and my friends and stuff like that. So I'm kind of a bit energized and I maybe run myself a little ragged to a point, but I still, you know, I make, a, I make time for naps and stuff like that. But yeah, we've been home. From this recent tour, just a little over a week, so um, we're still kind of coming out of it, coming out of the days. Excellent. And I know, I know, particularly in the states, um, art artists travel a lot. They drive phenomenal amount of hours because for, 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 for us, if if I drove eight hours, I'd, I'd be in German Germany. But if you drove eight hours, you'd still be in the States. Yeah. We, we might still, in fact, be in our own state. We actually, uh, on this recent tour, we had a, a killer day, a couple of days, where we had to drive from Bozeman, Montana, which is central Montana, to Des Moines, Iowa, which, like, if this whole screen is a map of the United States, it's literally yeah. from, like, here to here. And it took 16 hours, two and a half days. And uh, I remember saying something in the car, like if people in the UK or like England, especially knew that we did shit like this, they would lose their mind because they're <laughs> like four hours. Oh, I have to stay overnight. If I'm driving four hours, Oh, I, I've got to stay yep. overnight. You know, yep, 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 I'll come yep. back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this touring in the States is a lot different than touring in the UK or Europe. Um, and I love those short dis distances between amazing places in in the UK and Europe. It's very convenient. And you can stop at the gas station and get a, You can stop at the the gas stations and um, get good coffee and uh, get a pasty. Yeah. And be on your <laughs> way. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> get on your way. Um. So. Um. And I know obviously the pandemic put a big hit on arts, artists and the music and, the, and 
gave them time for reflection. How did you, as art artists, use that that time? Well, well, we made a record during the pandemic. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably the biggest thing that we did. Uh, you know, we were we were on the edge of burnout right before, like that last tour that we did. Yeah. Through the UK and Europe, we did that as we were support for Tyler Childers and the food stamps who are very dear friends of ours. And we were very excited and blessed to be able to go on that tour. Uh, but it was exhausting because it was, you know, a, a crew, a very professional crew that has a tour bus and they have two drivers and they're taking ferries and they're sleeping on the bus overnight. And then it was just me and Linda, you know, they had a crew of a dozen people traveling with them. And then it was just me and Linda basically trying to keep up with them, like exhausting our, our bodies and our minds and our wallet to try to keep up on that tour and really, you know, make the most impact that we could. Uh, So when we came home, we were kind of like, we need a break. You know, we know we need to take a break for ourselves because we've been playing a lot of the same songs. Our set was getting very stagnant. We weren't inspired by the music that we were sharing with the audiences every night. So we were kind of like, we need to take a a break and reset and just be able to play music for fun because, you know, this is a job. It is a career and you don't, every night isn't just a ball of fun every, every single night. I would say most of them are, you know, if you're getting to do what you love, it is fun, but it does, it's repetitive motions over and over again, right? But, um, so we were getting a little burnout and we needed a break and we got a big break, you know, <laughs> we, we had two, two years off, essentially over two years. And, um, uh, in that time, we just kind of focused and centered and we, we knew that we wanted to record a new album and we just, we talked about it a lot and talked about you know kind of themes and songs and and like shaping it and the structure of things and the expansion of the sound and and stuff like that um and so we finally got to record that album in um june of 2021 so it did not come out until a full calendar year later it came out july 2022 um so we were kind of sitting on it for a while and shaping it and and making sure everything was ready and right to go out. And uh, we did things differently this time than we ever have because our two previous albums were self-produced. Yeah. Um, We put it all together. We played on it. We hired out the musicians who played on it and we promoted it, promoted it. Uh, We didn't have any money to promote it. (laughs) We didn't have, you know, so it, they never really got um, as much tread as, as they yeah. would have had there been a bunch of money behind it. Um, but this time we got to put this new record out with LaHonda Records. And so like, and we worked with a producer. And so like having all those things and putting out a record the way that the industry does these days was a was a different experience for us and it, there was lots of frustrations and, and lots of things that we wish we could tweak and change but it was like oh that time we didn't have full control of, control of our timeline um 
which when we put the gospel out, you know, we picked it to death. Yeah. Uh, or we were ready to put it out. And then, you know, there's all these things in the music industry. You want to put it out this time of year. You you want it to hit this time of year, blah, blah, blah. And so it was a lot different process. Well, I mean, I've supposed to come to many, many, many independent artists. And one, one of the things that they love is the fact that they can choose how the sound come, comes out on like, like the Fin Fin Finish thing. Where, whether it's on CD or vinyl or streams. And then once they go with a record come, come, company, then it change, changes. Um, because you've got to give up that, just that artistic free freedom because you want to make sure that your sound cuts through everything else because you've, you've, you've invested so much to do for that release day. And then what happens after that Friday? What happens after New Music Friday? Right, right. I don't feel like we lost any of our artistic freedom on this record because yeah. we because we did sign with an indie label, um, and so they just kind of sat back and they said, "Whatever you guys want, whatever y'all want to put out on this, we're into it because we're fans of you as people and as artists, and, and we want you to really." put out what your heart is telling you to put out. So I felt like we had full control over that process. Um, but after New Music Friday, yeah, you're right. We, we just had an interview recently and someone said like, what was that release day like? And I told them, you know, it was kind of somber. It was, it was a strange day where we were just kind of like, you know, exhaled and didn't really think about it very much. Yeah. Um, the previous two records, I remember being real excited and anxious and nervous and just like hoped everybody liked it. And this time around, I think Linda Jean and I both decided like we didn't, or we came to the realization, you know, on that re release day that we didn't much care if people liked it. Um, it wasn't for our audience per se. Yeah. It was for us. It was for us to be able to, you know, like get our footing as songwriters and get our footing as true artists and purveyors of traditional music. Like we put all of these different elements into it. And we were just very proud of where we stood with that album. And it wasn't. I wasn't, you know, feeling that kind of icky, like, oh, do they like it? Do they like it? Um, and we've had wonderful reception thus far. So that's that's been great. Um, and, and, you know, nobody's commented and been like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> do your job, don't do this anymore, you know, thank, thankfully. But, um, you know, it was, it was for us. It was... Uh, giving each other the space to kind of tell our own stories and stuff like that. Well, I mean, one, 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 of, the, one of the tracks that stands out for me is Dead Horses. Side the fence under a tarp out in the rain, peeking from the plaza. 
Could you could you just give give us a little glimpse as to like where did that idea for, for that song come come from? Well, if if we're um if we're talking songwriting process, Montana and I don't necessarily write songs together in their inception, but we kind of come together like we we lay out the bones of it and we write the song and then we bring it to one another and get to share share the songs with one another. 
And then that's when, you know, um, like I'll write a song, I'll send it to Montana and uh, she kind of gives me a, like a, yeah, I like that or uh, radio silence. And um, sometimes she's like, you doing okay? <laughs> and, uh, I think that was probably one of those. Um, but my songwriting process is very organic. It's a lot of pulling from the subconscious and like having these ideas that I pull from and I sit down with my with an instrument and um, once I kind of latch onto an idea, then I can kind of go from there. But when I, I don't ever say, I'm going to write about all the horses that have died or some, the majority of the horses that have died in my life. I never think like that. I never think uh, I'm going to sit down and write a song about X. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, sometimes songs are just emotive and just like evocative of an emotion and they don't really pinpoint too much of a storyline. They kind of capture a feeling. Um, other times they are straight ahead stories. And then sometimes they're an accumulation of various stories that you've cultivated over your lifespan. And with Dead Horses, it's kind of a, an, a cultivation of lots of different experiences. And um, I didn't even include all of the horses in my, in my life, you know, that especially the ones that have seen pass and things like that. But the the tie between all of these songs, I think, is rural living, and just yeah. um, that's just that's just the heartbreak of of living a rural life and having a horse. But it goes deeper than that, you know. One thing I love about John Prine songs is like you can listen to the stories, and you can think of those as stories, or you can even dig way deep down and think about all the trajectories that come from all of those stories and how they're even deeper meanings within themselves and I would like to think that with kind dead like horses it's kind of like the bible you can take it literal or you can take them as you know like moral stories you yeah. know like yeah. did Noah and, really part the red sea or is that just a you know is that a metaphor? What's going on there? A metaphor. What's going on? <laughs> but with um, Moses parted the Red Sea. See, I don't know anything. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Charles didn't, didn't play that part. <laughs> <laughs> with dead horses, though, it's it's not necessarily always about horses. You, you know, it's just about the loss and the grief of anything, but that there's always a celebration. Um, Montana said just the other day, she said there, there really can't be love without pain, can there? And no, there, there can't. And, um, you gotta have one to know the other. And, um, with that particular song, you know, I've lost some, some true like heart horses that were just like really shaped who I am as a person, um, that were huge characters and, and parts of my life, um, like the very first line about the um, the little buckskin pony, um, that was my my favorite horse of all time, and that was she was just two years younger than me, wow. and I remember, uh, and we have we're we're both we were both Taurus, you know that was our, we're both the same astrological sign, <laughs> and uh, I was raised alongside that horse. My mom had two babies, and that was me and that little buckskin. 
And um, I spent every day of my life with that horse. I learned to really ride on that horse. Um, and so it was heartbreaking. I remember the very first time I saw an animal mourning over another animal. And it was in that instance when I saw her mourning um, her mom, her mama was, uh, we had to take her out of the field and we put a tarp over her so that um, our little pony didn't have to see that because she was just in grief. And it was the first time I realized like, we're all the same. Yeah. We all grieve. And then just this past spring, um, I, I had these two old retired thoroughbreds and um, there were x-ray horses and my horse bear collapsed in front of my mom earlier that day. And I went down to see him and my, my really old horse was still over there with him and he's pretty much blind. Yeah. And my, my partner, Tim and I walked down to see, um, bear cause he was, he was still out in the field. You know, we hadn't disposed of him yet. And I remember walking down there and my, my old horse, Mo, who's never, he's not a very connective horse. He's not connected to a lot of people. And he's definitely not connected to my partner, Tim. And he walked over to Tim and just hung his head, his whole head over his shoulder, just in despair and just in disbelief that he'd lost his best buddy and his pasture mate. And, you know, they're, they're very intuitive animals, but we're all animals and we're all, we all have pain. We all have joy. And so I just hope that that song can capitalize on the magic of horses, but also just the, the line, I suppose we're all just animals with slightly different heights. Like that's probably one of my favorite lyrics um, within the entire album that, that I had penned um, because I truly believe that. Well, yeah, for, for, for me, I mean, it, speaking from uh, being, being a Sikh, um, we, we believe that, that the light that's in you is the same light that's in horses, in animals, in plants, in every, everything. It's that same light. We're, we're, we're all connected, the same atoms. And it's proven by science. We're all, we're all made out of the same atoms as well. So why wouldn't we connect? Just, just because they're not vocalizing it in like words does, doesn't mean that they don't feel pain, that they don't feel joy, that they don't feel happiness. It's it just because we have evolved to be able to do that. It doesn't mean that they still still don't have those feelings themselves. Yeah, or that they don't just show it in other ways. Yeah. We just can't necessarily communicate efficiently. Um, I have a pretty good idea. Uh, my horse, Howdy, I, I know a lot about what he's thinking, but sometimes he really, I'm, I'm a little stumped because <laughs> I'm still very much just getting to know him. He's my, he's my new horse. And so I, I really don't feel like I truly understand him, but sometimes we're on, we're right on the same plane and it's like, it's just intuition and, and we understand each other. So it's, it's pretty remarkable the way that we connect throughout the natural world. And then along with your horses you've got a donkey as well <laughs> yeah i got two two little donkeys little mini mini donkeys um one of them hasn't come home yet she, she's still um a little bit too young to come home she hasn't weaned um but i've got a little 
a miniature donkey, and her name's Burrito. She was named after the the Flying Burrito Brothers, uh, Hot Burrito Number One. <laughs> so she was my first donkey. <laughs> Love it. So, so what's that experience like? Bring, bring, bring in that life to the farm. Um, what's it like have, having like growing up around it? Yeah. Well, I, I just wouldn't change it for the world. Like I'm, I'm such an animal lover and I do feel very connected to animals. Um, I feel like I can read them just as well as I can read people. I'm not necessarily a great judge of character when it comes to humans, especially on like, um, I don't know. It kind of takes me a minute to understand people when, when animals, I feel like, um, I just have kind of a better sense and understanding of them. But Montana and I both grew up on farms um, in, and not necessarily like working farms, but with agricultural. Um, but my dad was a tobacco and a cattle farmer. Um, my granddad and my great uncle owned an orchard. And then my mom's farm, it's just a hobby farm. You know, she had horses and she broke them, but it was it was for her. She raised raised them just for our family, um, and I, I feel beyond fortunate to have grown up in such a beautiful place where nature and animals were kind of a focal point and a centerpiece to our lives. Um, I, I I wouldn't trade it for anything, and I I hope that if I have a family and children that I could offer that same life um that's that's just something that is um it's invaluable to me and uh, montana grew up so she's had donkeys and mules her whole life and, and grew up riding horses and so um she's having to help me understand the donkey a little bit because <laughs> the donkey's a new a new experience for me but they're pretty they're she's so smart she she can put her head through the gate. And I, I thought first time I saw her do it, that she was um, like, we have this gate in a running shed that's just like open. And it, um, she has these rocks that she likes to play with. She loves these, these rocks. I don't, I don't know if she's weird, but she will put her head through the gate slat and she will walk the gate back. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's stuck in this gate. But really she'll pull it as far as she can open and yeah. then she'll splat her head out and she'll run around it and go play with those rocks. And she just like paws those rocks and she just wants back there. But I thought she was stuck, but she, she's smart. She's smart as a whip. She's <laughs> smart. <laughs> this is the smartest animal I have. <laughs> uh, how do you think um, this question for, for both, both of you, your surroundings and your upbringing has influenced your music? Well, I would say that the we Montana, I'll let Montana elaborate elaborate on this a little bit more, but we grew up with a lot of different characters, both human and animal, and um we grew up around a lot of storytellers, a lot of great storytellers. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the the setting that I grew up in. Um I like she said my I grew up on a farm uh, in a very small community. Um, my dad worked for the railroad. He was a 
locomotive engineer for the railroad. Um, we owned and operated a beer store, uh, which was one of the few beer stores in the area because there's lots of dry counties, which I know is uh, an uh, urban legend for our friends in the UK and Europe uh, yeah. because they don't exist over there. I've talked to people about it, like especially in Ireland, and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, that would not go down well there. No. <laughs> and, but, you know, it's... Uh, so I grew up in uh, a lot of spaces that were um, shared with with older folks who were telling stories about the community and about what had happened there and what was happening and who did what and who was with who and um, all that stuff. Um, so that's basically what my songs are, are. My songs are basically just stories and retellings of um you know what's going on and what's happening and even historical a bit um i'm not very good at the introverted love songs um i'm just i'm just not good at it um it's taken me a long time in my adult life to be able to talk about feelings um so i'm not very good at writing them down and, and singing them uh, but i am you know I can tell a story and put it to a melody. So that that that's basically what has shaped my uh, how my upbringing has shaped my songs. Um, and then just you know being friends with Linda for as long as we have and be, being like playing music together for as long as we have has been very influential because you know we discover similarities in in each other all the time. We've been friends for about eight years now and mm -hmm. um, I've been playing music that long and but we discover new things um, that we have in common that we grew up with you know uh, I wrote a song that's on the album it's called better than I deserve it was about my papa who was yeah. a U.S. naval pilot he got shot down um, and uh, floated around in the ocean for four days until he was rescued Linda's grandfather was a uh, bombardier for the U.S. Air Force, and he also got shot down over Germany, and he was a POW, um, and, you know, so we both discovered that they were, you know, they, they both passed away the same year. We didn't know that until just recently, and Linda and I are pretty much the same age, so we lost our grandfathers, which were pretty big figures in our life at the same time. Um, and just small things like that. I grew up in a beer store, you know, I literally was in the beer store all the time and would rollerblade uh, on in the beer store because we had concrete floors, you know, and everything else around me was gravel or grass. So I would roller skate in the beer store. And Linda grew up on an orchard and they had a little market stand that had concrete floors. So guess who was rollerblading uh, in the market, you know? So it's like, we have these things that are shared experiences that we did not know that we shared, right? And I think that that's something that, um, not to get so like existential, but that relates, that relates to music and songwriting is that, you know, Dead Horses is not a song about, uh, you know, for you to feel sorry because Linda lost her horse. 
Better Than I Deserve is not a song for you to feel sorry that I lost my papa and that he kind of overcame this very, very hard upbringing, this very hard life. It's for you to remember the joy that you experienced if you share any of those experiences. If you were so lucky to grow up around horses or if you were so lucky to grow up around your grandfather or something like that um, or a figure who, who you know, stood in as a grandfather for you. Um, it's to relate all of those stories so that we can all realize that it's all a shared experience. Like you were saying earlier, the life that is in me is within you. You're just however many hours and miles away. Um, and we all experience pain and misery and grief and joy and happiness and love, you know, just in, in very similar ways. The human experience is not that different from person to person to person. It's really not. And to kind of yeah. like destigmatize that. Mm. Uh, and to like, because we, you know, we've been asked lots of questions about like, how was it, how is it growing up? as a woman in Appalachia and it's like, well, it's not that different as growing up as a woman in Japan or as a woman in California, you know, or as a woman in Iceland, um, are our resources and our like infrastructure that good? No, not really. Um, but the human experience is, is really, it's a commonality in all of us. Yeah. And and I don't even know how I've got here. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to go back to something that you were saying earlier about the the idea of the love song. And mm -hmm. Tim actually pointed this out to me the other day. He said, I find it very interesting with all the interviews that you've done and all the press that has surrounded the release of our latest record. Not one person has commented on the the songwriting and said something along the lines of there are no love songs there's no genuine like lovey-dovey song yeah we, and i and i was like yeah you're right um because our songwriting which i'll go the opposite end of that spectrum and argue that every song is a love song but if you you know if you look at it long enough but there is no song that was like i wrote this song about at um out of great deep love and and um affirmation in the, in the way that you would think of a traditional love song and that is one thing that made makes me very very proud so i just wanted to kind of go back to that montana because i thought that, that was very interesting that he had picked that up um and commented on it i thought that was kind of cool I find that some of the best songs, some of the best country Americana songs are the heartbreak songs, are the mm -hmm. uh, songs that so-and-so's left, slept me, or, you know, they, they, you know, it's the darker songs. It's, it's not the, you know, the happy pop, poppy, the, the sunny shining songs. That's the songs that I relate to. It's not to say that I live my life under a cloud of depression, but that's why I connect to it. <laughs> yeah, so, there is something about... I do live my life under a cloud of depression, but hopefully I can get out of it, for God's sake, you know. Hopefully there's sun peeking. 
peeking through somewhere. But there, there's something about a sad song. It's easier to write a sad song than it is a happy song. Yeah. I wrote a song sometime during the pandemic called um, I'm So Happy This Morning. There's sunshine and dogs. That's like the first line. It's called I'm So Happy This Morning. And it's got the most mournful melody. It still sounds so sad. And I was like, golly. And like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to write a song that's, that's not sad. And it's a challenge. I, there's one that I, I hope to finish. And Montana pointed out the other day after we were, we were playing in North Carolina. And she said, you really ought to finish that song because we need something to really pep, pep this up a little bit. Cause in our, in our duo show, you know, there's, we do, we have a, the duo project, but then we also have a full band, a six piece loud band. And so yeah, the duo experience is a more intimate experience. It's a lot of storytelling. It's very emotional. Um, The full band sound is more um, hypnotic and just an expansion of that sound. It's not necessarily changing necessarily anything that we do. Uh, sometimes it does. We do play some songs differently and then other songs we play straight ahead the same way. And then it's just kind of a wall of sound that's built up around us. Um, but both of those experiences are different experiences. It's a way to hear some of the same songs, but have a different experience each time you hear them, which I think is really fun. Personally, um, perform. How do you think you, you both, both of you have grown as artists and musicians from, you, you know, um, your album Little Girls Acting Like Men from, from there to, to where you are now with the local honeys? I mean, has, has it been a smooth, smooth, smooth journey or is it just it's, it's been stops and starts? Well, I'll tell you right now, nothing is more humbling than hearing your own voice recorded. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we've, drawn, we've grown drastically um, in our musicianship, in our instrumentalism, in our vocal uh, dictation, in our vocal experience, um, the way that we sing, the way that we portray and tell our our songs um our artistry has expanded and that's just because we've stuck with it and we've worked hard hard at it and um going you know we get to a point every now and then and we feel like okay we're at a plateau but you you kind of feel like okay I'm not learning I'm not real I'm not growing but when that happens it's kind of your opportunity to grow when you finally come to a point which I think we're both kind of feeling like that a little bit. So we're on the cusp of some, some change and some, uh, some growth right now because putting out that record, um, the latest record took so much time and energy away from, it was just kind of staying where we were in a place in time. Yeah. And now that it's been released, there's been like a, a sigh of relief in a lot of ways because it's like, I love those songs, but I'd like to move the fuck on. I have to do some, I want to write more songs, but I can't because I have to worry about if, if we get on a playlist or something, 
you know, so people will hear the songs that we've already written. There's there's that kind of stuff just always in the back of your mind. And it kind of gets in the way of the corners that are uh, hard that harbor your art. So we're we're right on the the brink of some of some new ideas and and um, new tunes and songs. So that feels good. And and I know that, that you've you've been a duo of a duo for, for for a while, but has there been an opportunity for yourselves as individual artists as well? Just to you know, just oh I one one I wanna just take a different direction. I feel like there's a lot of individualism in what we do. Um, this project is so meaningful to me because my voice rings through individually and I get to lead songs, but then I also get to be a side guy. I get to be um, a supportive role too. So I get to fulfill a lot of different roles. And if there's a song that's maybe just a little bit too weird, then I, I kind of keep that and um, either give it to somebody else to sing or... Um, you know, I've I've got a batch of songs that that maybe at some point we don't maybe they don't fit what the honeys are doing at that particular time, and they'll either just kind of sit there in the in the queue, as you would say, um, <laughs> or <laughs> the line, or um, maybe I could use them for another project. But I really feel pretty fulfilled as um, an individual artist because I get to collaborate. I get to bring something yeah. to the table and then we get to go from there. Um, so that that feels really good. But then we do have other opportunities where people invite us to, to play with them and that's always really fun or um, to teach at music camps. Uh, that's always a big time for us because then we kind of, we get to spend time with other people because we, we spend a lot of time together. We've, I've probably had more meals with Montana than I've ever had with anybody else in my life, including my mom. I've probably shared more meals with Montana. <laughs> wow. And I, I think we have found a, a very, um, not everyone, not every artist has the opportunity to find a creative partner. Yeah. Um, you may find a, collaborative partner or something like that but this is something especially with this project we are pretty invested uh, with one another and how we want this project to come across and how we want it to be portrayed um, if Linda wants to come out with a, a goth album about um, I don't know um, I, I don't know what it would be about but it could be about anything Donkeys. <laughs> I would be all for it if she wants to do that, you know, uh, but we have a shared vision of kind of what the local honeys, yeah. uh, hopefully what we will achieve. Um, and we, we make the efforts to get there, you know, together. And I, I, I feel like we have, um, our songwriting is very different. And we're not one to just kind of like do a blanket statement of um, Americana and yeah. of what we sound like, you know, 
we switch it up. Uh, one of us leads and the other one supports and, and vice versa. Um, so it, it always stays interesting. there's something really wonderful about leading a song but then there's something equally as fulfilling just kind of getting to be there as an accompanist like there's that's it's an entirely different role um and it's equally as important so right right now also our interests really coincide 
so it doesn't feel like one of like at least for me it doesn't feel like I'm longing to do anything else yeah. musically um or you know if I get really obsessed with something I share it with Montana and then she gets obsessed with it you know and vice versa so <laughs> so we have very similar interests and tastes and so that helps us also um be inspired by the same things at the same times. And growing, growing up, did, did do you think that this was the the, the life that you were going to live? Lead because being a musician isn't an easy path through through this world. It's never, never, never been an easy path pre previously. So I, mean, I always, I always knew that I would be involved as an as a musician or as an artist in some way. I've never really had any other direction. If I wasn't playing music, I'd be doing something with animals, but I would still have to play music in some capacity. Yeah. It's just deep within me. Um, I've never, I don't really ever see myself not being a musician. And uh, one of my family members gave me a scrapbook, like not too terribly long ago. And it was like some of the first like drawings that I ever did and everything has music notes on, it, you know, or song lyrics and, or me with a with an instrument um and i have kind of always had that in me um which is not necessarily the same with montana <laughs> i i absolutely did not expect to be here i did not plan this i did not know i had the capability for this or or that life had the capability of this for me um uh, from the time I was five years old, I knew that I was going to, I just knew I was going to be a veterinarian. Uh, and to expand upon that, a large animal veterinarian, I wanted to work on cattle and horses and livestock yeah. animals. Um, and so I went to college with that in mind and kind of got beat down by biology and realized that I was not cut out for, you know, I was, I was a very good student. Um, all throughout, you know, um, high school and college, I was a very good student, but I just could not grasp. Um, I could not grasp that subject. <laughs> I just, and I also shadowed under a vet for uh, like our family vet for a summer. And he was like in his seventies and he worked so hard every day. And I yeah. mean, just grinded every day up at five o'clock in the morning and in bed at 11 o'clock at night and it just seemed like there was no re no rest for him and uh, he he's a wonderful vet uh, but I just kind of realized that I didn't want that much debt uh, because it's a huge amount of debt to take on um, if you go into a medical field of any sort in yeah. America um, I would be upwards of $300,000 in debt right now if I had pursued that. Insane. And it's probably, more. it's probably even more now, you know. Um, but so I, I took a semester off and just kind of took some classes that I thought that I would enjoy. And one of them was banjo lessons. And so I was not a musician. I was uh, I had previously been been an athlete. Um, I was not a singer. I didn't, I, um, I was a bit of a writer. I, I 
when it came to assignments with writing a paper or something like that, um, especially fiction, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I had somewhat of a talent for it at a young age. Cause I remember like being in like high school and asking my mom to help me write a paper on Marie Antoinette or something and get her getting very mad at me and me getting very mad at her and just like squabbling. And then I remember her saying, and she was a journalist, like she was a writer. That's what she did. And I remember her getting mad and saying, just do it yourself. You're, you're better at, me, at this than me. Okay. You just wow. do it. And I was like, I am not, I need help, you know, and just whiny and didn't want to do it. Um, but I'd always been a bit of a writer, but not a musician, definitely not a singer. So did not know I would be here. Oh, well, I am so glad that you both are because it, it's amazing me, me, music. You, you never, once I heard, heard your, your songs, I was just, I was gripped and I thought, I have to get the album. I have to get the local Honey's album, ship it across. And listening to your music, it takes you away. It it takes you to, to a diff, diff, different place. Um, the best music I ever find takes you along for a journey. And that's what, what you've achieved with the new album as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, I think that was our goal. I, I think our goal was to transport people here to Kentucky. Um, and I, I can remember, you know, we toured a lot um, in the UK and Europe during a um, certain uh, presidential uh, time of history in American politics and people and, and just there's been lots of negative stereotypes and negative connotations about Appalachia and Kentucky in particular. And it's not just here in the States, it's worldwide. And uh, we experience that as with our travels. We experience some of those stereotypes come to life and come right into our face. And we had to try and explain to people like, no, um, you know, what you've read and what you've seen in TV and movies and stuff like that, there may be some truth to that, but it's not the, the way of life there. It is not a hateful, ignorant, backwards place. It, it, it's a very beautiful place and it's, yeah. it's unlike any other place, but it's a lot like everywhere else. There's problems everywhere else. And um, there are a plethora of people here of all types of backgrounds and ethnicities and viewpoints and um it's a very diverse place and we kind of got pigeonholed into this kind of monolithic uh region and um so it was we wanted to kind of display that in this album and transport people here yeah. and show you know kind of what our experience of of being here has been well, I definitely feel that you are ambassadors for for Kentucky and the music and the history and everything that's going on in terms of issues that, that affect 
and those who who lived to live lived there in terms of you know um coal mining there the climate climate change there everything that that that's happening there in terms of the floods because i mean obviously you hear it on the news but then when you post something and then you then then you see see you speaking about it, then it becomes that more relatable because i've listened to your music i've heard, heard you sing so then 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 it becomes real yeah yeah when you can when you can draw an obvious connection to somewhere else you have a lot more appreciation and a lot more respect for that place you know when you can actually go and not necessarily even experience i mean i don't know if you've ever been to kentucky or not but hopefully just having this connection you know and, and see i told somebody recently you know we went all across the country on this recent tour and i think it was chicago we were in chicago and we were talking to people about the city and everyone was just so jazzed up about it and saying wonderful things about chicago and i told them i was like it really brings me a lot of joy when people find pride in where they're from. Because growing up, I did not know that I could be proud that I was from Eastern Kentucky. I did not know that I should be proud that I was from Lee County, Kentucky, because nobody ever, I never saw anybody like showing that, you know, uh, except at a basketball game, you know what I mean? Like, and that's a different type of, of school pride, um, but, to, to see people take pride in where they're from and kind of um, stand, you know, um, just kind of stand in that choice to only bring good things back to their home. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where we're at. We're tired of, of letting ne negativity kind of seep into the mindsets of people who live here. Um, and that's been happen happening for centuries. Um, the rest of the country, the rest of the world tells us that um, we, we're ignorant to live here, even with this recent historic flooding. Yeah. Um, not been a lot of sympathy. There's been a lot of, you know, finger pointing and saying, well, why would you live there in the first place? You know, why would you build in a floodplain? Why would you vote the way that you do? Um, and it's just, it's very ugly especially in the face of a disaster to, yeah. to pin kind of stuff on people. Um, and I could go on and get real worked up about this, but I don't think we have the time. <laughs> but being proud of where you're from is a beautiful thing if you are so lucky to feel that. Definitely. Um, so the album's out. You've been on tour. Are you coming back? To London and the you and the rest of Europe. When can we can we see you back on these shores? Twenty twenty three. Yahoo! <laughs> that's, that's the goal. We're talking to some people. We're we're, talk, we're talking about it. We're in the works. It's in the works. We've uh we've we've missed it over there. Um, I I went out last night, Linda. After I left your place, me and Ray went to somewhere to get some food and we got fish and chips and it sucked it was not good at all it was just grease and nasty and i was like 
They do this yeah. so much better in England. Yeah, I know. I've been craving Zaytunes from Dublin. Persian spot. <laughs> I've been craving. I've been craving it. Do you have Zaytunes in London? Uh, yes. Um, in Soho, I think. Yeah. Okay. That's one of our favorite, favorite late night. Late Dublin night. spot. <laughs> oh, look at what Flo just came in with. Come here, Flo. Look, show them. Show them what you got. She has a flower collar. Come here. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow, that's something, Flo. That's amazing. Oh, you're so pretty. <laughs> so pretty. Come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> so my next great question um, is, what music are you listening to that brings you joy? Well, um, they made this, uh, Montana made a tour bingo game where like if somebody, she assigned all these things that everyone was doing or that summed up that person. And yeah, they uh, talk about a little bit too much. Or, or they do a little bit too much and makes a, um, she made like a bingo card of it out of it. And um, one of my bingos was a, uh, listening to Sycon because every every morning or I would turn on uh this the new wood Sycon album and um so Montana had to listen to that for like a month straight and like even when we get in the car it was kind of like well let her just listen to it at least once so just get it out of the way <laughs> there was also a bingo a bingo card for a little uh british sensation called wet leg wet leg <laughs> that we're obsessed with i love wet leg i've seen i've seen them perform live they're amazing we've yeah. been wanting to but we always have a gig the same night that they've been playing and that's annoying yeah because we we would rather we would rather go support wet leg sometimes Psycon, <laughs> yeah. uh, the brilliant songwriter, and Wet Leg. I think that's a perfect combination. <laughs> um, thank you, Lilinda Jean. Thank you, Martana, for being on the show. It's just been amazing to hear your stories about your experiences. Uh, thank you so, so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks Thank for you. making some time for us. I have all the time in the world for the local honeys. <laughs> well, ho hopefully we'll be back really soon. Hopefully. Um, 2023. We've, we've, Come on, people. We've missed it. We're not sure how soon in 2023, but we're working on it and can't wait to come over, play some more festivals and play some nice venues. Um, Last time we were there, we played the Cecil Sharp House in London, and that was a really beautiful, wonderful experience. And they actually gave us some uh, tote bags that had um, a rabbit on it and, uh, and the lyrics to Hairs on the Mountain, a song that we we learned from the, the late great, or well, not late, but um, 
the um the great and phenomenal Shirley Collins yeah huge Shirley Collins fans so um that was a that was a wonderful gift that we got to bring home and Shirley Collins um do you recognize con contribution to Al Al Lomax's field record recordings as well um if you get a chance um if are you into watching like documentaries and stuff okay yeah. um so you should check out the ballad of shirley collins and and uh get in touch with us and let you let us know what you think about it i most definitely will it was um directed and produced and put together by two folks that we met our very first show in london we played it was it king's place montana yeah is that right? And we we met um, the directors of of this film, and um, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's really it's very interesting, and it, it's one of our favorite uh, music documentaries. Fantastic. Yeah, the Ballad of Shirley Collins, and you can stream it online. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm.